Good morning, everybody. Welcome to worship here at Treach. Well, sort of. Man, isn't this a beautiful setting? We're at the lakeside at Bob Allen uh, Memorial Park over here in uh, the colony. Just wanted to give you a little bit uh, different perspective. And I am going to forewarn you that I have an amen chorus in the background. They have now gotten quiet, but every now and then there's going to be some puppy dogs that, well, when they hear a point I make, they're going to... Uh, they're going to say amen. It's going to sound like a bark to you, but it's actually an amen. So this morning, it's my privilege to do week two of the All In Worship Series. Last week, Pastor Nick inspired us with the Be Inspired to go out and serve. Today, it's my opportunity to talk to us about going all in and being involved. Being involved. How about you? Is that a phrase you say very often? Man, I'm all in. And when is it that you say that? I'm all in when this, this, and this line up. I'm all in when that which I am being called to go do is exciting and fun, and I can't wait to go be a part of it. Yeah. Or do you say, you know, I just, I don't want to get involved. That just sounds big or bad or scary or that's not, that's not good for me right now where I'm at in my life. So this morning we're going to talk about those and kind of the juxtaposition of that and then the expectation of what it means as a follower of Christ to be all in. So our story this morning comes out of the New Testament from Luke. And it's one that uh, if you've been around a church, going to church, I don't care if it's from Vacation Bible School to today, it's going to ring familiar. The Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. I'm going to read it to you from the uh, New International Version. And then we're going to talk about it a little bit and... Uh, and move on. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? When is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, Well, who's my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Well, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he asked, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have had. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, there's something about that story that um, is predictable, right? It has a familiarity to it. And, and we are so conditioned over time to, to know that, you know, if there is such a thing as, well, the good guy is the good Samaritan. 
You know, an interesting sidebar to that story that I wish we had more time to unpack this morning is that the Samaritan was actually in that day and time um, not very well thought of. They were those people, those people that most other people avoided or stereotyped as being bad and no good and you didn't want to be around and they didn't care about anybody but themselves. Interesting uh, juxtaposition there, isn't it? That that's the very person who stopped and rendered aid. I'm sure there is a good lesson in that for all of us as well. But this morning, what we're just going to talk about is that very sense of stopping, seeing a need and rendering aid. You think there are still people like that in the world? How often do you or I feel the tug to do that? You know, I'll be honest with you. I, um, I frequently, just like you do, I see people uh, pulled over to the side of the road, especially flat tire, hood up, this or that. And I'm so conditioned to think, uh, you know, I bet somebody else is coming that I, I go on down the road. I was fortunate uh, to hear the other day in staff meeting a story that Linda Steiner, one of our administrative assistants, also an active church member here, told about an experience of her, um, her teenage granddaughter was on her bike the other day in Louisville, riding it from home to work when she uh, had an accident and fell off her bike and hit her head and had a really uh, pretty traumatic uh, head injury. And um, she's laid there on the side of the road and actually bleeding. And uh, two strangers she'd never met before pulled over, came and, and checked on her, bandaged her wound, called paramedics, called the police. Uh, it was such that uh, she needed to go to the hospital. So an ambulance came, took her to the hospital, and in that process, her mom was notified. Her mom rushed to the hospital and uh, she asked, you know, tell me more about this. And all the daughter could remember was two nice people, mom, stopped and helped me. They were long gone. I wonder what they thought when they pulled up on this young girl. You think they had a second or two where they thought, man, this isn't something I want to get involved in. What is it inside the person who pulls over and stopped? instinctively to say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a part of this. I want us to think for just a minute about our, uh, what I'm going to call auto response. You know, we see a situation and we, um, I think we have this template or this uh, filter that we, we apply and we look at, is this a thing that I want to get involved in? So uh, just having a little fun with it, I I made a little file folder about uh, my template, and uh, this is how it goes. It's like, okay, uh, reaction template. Is this safe? Is this convenient? Is it reasonable? And am I equipped? So we all have gotten conditioned over time, haven't we, to, and as we should, to think about safety. Safety. Is this safe? Uh, so we put on our, our safety goggles, and we make a real quick scan, and we decide on only the visual, usually, of deciding if this is safe. Let's be honest about the factors that we decide as safe. Uh, man or a woman, uh, we stereotype as into skin color and ethnicity, neighborhood, situation. And, um, you know, those are not bad, but they certainly are limiting in our ability to be uh, reactionary in a good and, and helpful way. The other part of my template is convenient. Oh man, you know, I'm, I'm on my way to, I have to be at, 
oh, this doesn't seem like a good time for me. So my convenience filter checks in. The other thing is just, golly, I'm, I'm like, well, is this even reasonable? Is this, uh, it looks like they have this under control. Uh, you know, maybe even, gosh, wonder if they brought this on themselves. You know, this looks like maybe a mess of their own doing. And then lastly, I don't even know that I have the equipment it's gonna take. Maybe I have a jack in my car or maybe, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. So I don't know about you, but I go through that litmus test really quickly. Safe, convenient, reasonable. Am I equipped? Do you do that? And then I gotta tell you my second folder that pops up is, okay, Meyer, so you think all of that, but what is it that, uh, that guy you say you follow, Jesus. What's the Jesus file folder say? Oh man, what did Jesus teach or ask of us? Come on, you and I know him by, just like we know the Good Samaritan story. Above all, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and who? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's your neighbor laying there, so to speak, in the ditch. Do unto others as you would have them, what? Do unto you. Take up your cross and follow me. When you see the hungry, the naked, the imprisoned, the sick, the lonely, every time you serve them, you serve me. So we have these competing file folders, don't we? We have the yellow folder that says, now be safe, be convenient. Gosh, if you're running late, maybe somebody else will do it. And then we have the Jesus file folder that says, do unto others, take up your cross, so forth and so on. Church, I think maybe we just got to be real with each other that we, uh, we love comfortable faith. We love predictable faith. We love it when it's in our safe zone, whether that's physically or emotionally or mentally, spiritually, whatever it is. But I wonder if you and I were honest, if we, we really knew in our heart of hearts that, that uh, that's not enough, that we're being called to, to step out of that, to step uh, onto a riskier, harder path. You know, in Revelation, it says, you know, Revelation 3, about you're neither hot or cold, you're lukewarm. And if you know the text, you know what happens to the lukewarm water. It gets spewed out. We're called to be hot or cold. Not necessarily convenient. I want to tell you a story about uh, about me. You know, here we are kind of in this current theme of vulnerability as well. And a couple of years ago, I got invited to go um, to Africa on one of the church's mission trips to Mozambique. And I was pretty okay with that, but it did, just to be honest, punch all of my yellow folder issues. Man, is this, is this going to be safe? Uh, certainly inconvenient, but that's okay. Uh, it's not going to necessarily be comfortable. And I had no way of thinking, or I had no concept of what it even meant to go and be equipped. So, um, I kind of stood like this for a lot of the trip, kind of on the sidelines watching and being supportive and helpful and encouraging. Uh, the one day we drove out, out of the village just a little bit to, um, really no more than a wide spot in the road. And we pulled over and there were some cinder block houses and a, 
a great big tree and a circle of kids under the tree and a fire and some older women. And Jackie said, hey, let's stop here. This is one of the, uh, the orphanages. I, <laughs> you and I have, we have no, I have no way, I wish I had the pictures today to show you. Uh, there is no comparison <laughs> to a Western World Orphanage to this little orphanage there. Uh, whose kids had been abandoned either by war or by uh, death of a parent uh, to AIDS or other uh, diseases or even just abandonment because they couldn't afford to feed them or keep them anymore. So again, man, my, <laughs> my little yellow folder litmus test is firing on all cylinders. And uh, we walk up and I'm taking it all in, taking it all in, taking it all in. And I look down in front of me and there is this uh, little guy about this big, little African uh, little boy. And uh, man, he was dirty. He had uh, snot coming out his nose and he had no, uh, no diaper, no bottom shorts on. And he just looked at me like this. And um, my litmus test was firing, my heart was firing. And I just instinctively scooped him up and held him. And I was both transformed and terrified at the very same time. He, uh, he looked into my eyes and uh, the only common language we had was connection and being held. And yeah, I was kind of freaking out a little bit because his little snotty nose was right there and his dirty bottom was cupped in my arm. But it began for me this reality that, yeah, sometimes you and I are called to step out of our uh, comfort zones. We're, step, we're called to kind of do more than write a check or schedule something that's really easy and convenient and, you know, bag up some food and, and drop it off. We're called, really, to get close enough to get dirty, to maybe get a little bit of snot on our shirt or to hold a dirty bum, to, uh, to push ourselves out of that safe and predictable environment that we all live in every day. You know, Jesus didn't call us to be safe, predictable, convenient Christians, did he? He called us to put it out there, to be hot or cold, to be brave and courageous, to take up our cross and follow him as we love our neighbor just like we love ourselves. And at the end of the day, let me just say this, the reality that I think we all have got to come to learn to embrace is that our neighbor is every single solitary person, breathing or not, skin color the same, not nationality, same, not. There is no barrier between those who we are to love and ourselves. Friends, join me today, tomorrow, and the next day in taking steps. Maybe they're just baby steps. Maybe that's all you can do right now, and that's plenty. But don't stop taking steps, growing deeper into what it means to be all in. What do you say? Will you join me? Let's pray. Gracious God, getting all in is scary at times. It's messy, it's snotty. Uh, man, sometimes we sweat, sometimes we show up and we don't even feel like we've got the equipment to do the right job. But you honor that, you bless that, and you make that holy. Help me and help us, God, to get past our fears, to be all in and serving you. In your name we pray, amen. Friends, you and I know it takes a lot to keep uh, treats going. And one of the realities is it takes you and me uh, giving both of our time and our talents and our resources. And if today perhaps you're in a place where you can do that, I encourage you to utilize the text. Uh, you can text to give. You can go to the website to give. 
You can do this thing called old fashioned mail where you fill out a check and, and drop it in. Your giving and my giving is making a world of difference, helping us invite our community into a deep and life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for being a part of that.